So do feel free to do yeah, it. This know, is good. This is a Hanukkah. I'm I'm like honored that I feel I'm that. I'm very excited. I'm like, glad you're here. Okay. okay. Right. So what I wanted to do. This is a kind of the the core of this is a pachad Yitzchak, meaning an uh, essay right. by Rav Yitzchak Kutner. Okay. Um, on Hanukkah. But I wanted to sort of, I've got sort of, there's some background and there's some correlating sources that he mentions but doesn't spell out. He assumes you're aware of them already. And then another piece, um, kind of two related pieces from the Svasemis that I think also connect to this idea and all together make <clears throat> this big picture. So the starting place is really um, in the beginning of Bracious, of course, because that's the starting place. But... We have over there, right at the beginning of Bracious, Hashem said, Yehi or vayehi or. Let there be light, and there was light. So it's perfect. Hanukkah, light. Vayar elokim es ha'or kitov, and Hashem saw that the light was good. Vayavdel elokim bein ha'or uvein ha'choshech, and God separated between the light and between the dark. Vayikra elokim la'or yom velachoshech karalayla, vayher vayivoker yom echad. And we know that light is always... It doesn't just represent, it really is Torah, and it is wisdom, and it is Vayarokim es ha'or kitov. The essential quality of light is that it is good. And also, that there's such a thing that Hashem created darkness, and darkness is always related to Yavan, Greece. Greece is always related to Choshech, this idea of darkness. So, <clears throat> I put the Rashi here, the source number base. <coughs> Hashem saw the light that it was good and he separated so he said he saw Hashem saw that it was not fitting for Rishayim to use this light and he separated it away like he set it aside for Tzadikim in the future Okay, so that's kind of the main point over here which is what um, somebody was asking yesterday, like, oh, is that the Or Haganus that you hear about, the hidden light? That's the Or Haganus. In other words, Hashem created light, which he then put away. And then there was this light and darkness, which is what we have now and day and night, but somehow it isn't really the fullness of the light that Hashem originally had created. Now, the Ramban says... What's that name of it? Or, ha- or Haganus. Ganus is like... Uh, secreted away. Like, like a geniza. Like a geniza, right. It's a place where you would put something away to keep it safe, but also out of sight. Right? Okay. So that's, Ganuz is hidden. Okay. okay. And where is that light? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Couldn't say. Okay. That's beyond my pay grade. Olam But it's saved for Olam Haba. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what it's for. Okay. I mean, it seems if you look at the writings of a lot of the, you know, Svasamas and Shlomi, it's hidden is also in the Torah, but it's, there's other places. I mean, this is the light of creation. So that is like the first stage of creation. Everything is really built coming out from that light in the first place. So even if it's hidden by the physicality of the world, it's still really present, but it is nonetheless hidden and not usable for the most part, except for Tzadikim. Okay, so the Ramban says, and the Ramban starts by quoting Rashi and also Ibn Ezra, and he has a concern. Ramban's concern is that you read the Pasuk properly because there's also a place, a way that it could be read that's not correct. And the way that a person could mistakenly read the Pasuk, it wouldn't, you can't really read it into the Pasuk, but if you didn't understand how the words go, a person could say, so God said, let there be light, and there was light, and then he looked at what he had created and saw that it was good. Meaning, you get a new recipe, and you mix it up, and you put it in the oven, and you take it out, and there it is. And then you look at it, and you see, hey, that's really good. In other words, there's an element of surprise. You didn't know how it was going to come out okay. till it came out. Mm. That's not what this puzzle means. Uh-huh. But a person could read that verse and say that, mm-hmm. you know, he, he made the light and then it came out too good. Okay. You know, so okay. he put it away and okay. he's like correcting, but it's not, not that's that. not the situation. Okay. No. He, what he says is this, that there are certain words, we have to understand how the words are used over here. Okay. He or, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay. 
when something, he says, when the Torah says that Hashem said something, Amira, Vayomer, right? Hashem said it. Koamar Hashem. That means, Hotsas Hadvarim El Hapoal. Bringing out of something into action or into reality. Into, um, it's what we call like the difference between like uh, potential and kinetic. Like <laughs> it has the potential to be something, but now it's realized. That's called Amira. When God says something, it goes from being the potential for that thing to being the reality of it. Okay. Okay. So whenever the Torah says that Hashem says something, that is a creation. That's why we say that the Torah was created with 10 statements of Vayomer. Vayomer Elohim or is the creation of light. Because when God speaks something, that is its creation as reality. Okay. And he gives many examples. There's another term that's used here about Hashem, which is Vayar, that Hashem saw. So what does it mean? Now he said, here's what it means when Hashem says something. What does it mean? We have another example, by the way, in, in Shmos, um, Hashem says the, the Avos, one of their very endearing qualities to God was that the Avos, when Hashem said something, they understood that that was the reality. They didn't need to see it themselves. So when Hashem said, I will make you a great nation and your children will become great, the fact that they didn't live to see that did not faze them at all. Just the fact that Hashem had said it meant it was reality already. It wasn't a promise like off in the future that hasn't happened yet. Once Hashem said it, they knew it happened. That's this concept of Hashem speaking is the creation of that reality. Okay, okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Now, the creation of the reality might be the creation of a process in reality. So, but but now it's already activated. I mean, we don't even have that concept. You can't say we we have we we say like you know. Well, let me something's see. Something's gonna happen, like right. and, and it didn't happen until until it happened. Uh, right. right. We don't have that idea at all. That's right. But once Hashem yeah. says it, that is the initiation of its process. Okay. And so it is created. So it could be that it's wholly created in the moment, which appears to be what happened with the light. God said, let there be light. Okay. And it was light. And it was, as it was, it was finished. Or he says, let there be something. And it, he, he sets the ball rolling. Okay. But all the pieces are now created and in place. And they're going to, that process will happen and finalize. Okay. But either way, it's already the reality. And okay. it's all the pieces are there wow. and activated. Yeah. So what does it mean when it says Hashem sees something? Okay, so he, he saw the light. So seeing is the kiyum, the maintaining and keeping it that way. So when God said it, that created it. When he's looking at it, so to speak, he is continuing to keep it going. Okay. Okay, which gives you a concept why you have verses that say things like Hashem says, my eye is always upon the land of Israel. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. Right, because his, everything he sees, Maintain. right, that's, that's okay. a way of saying, I'm keeping you going. So it's when Hashem says, my, I'm, I'm looking, or... or yes, when, specifically we, when the yeah. Torah is referring to God's vision, because okay. with the question that you really have over here is, the Torah uses words for us to understand something about Hashem or our relationship right. with Him. The Torah right. is made of these words. Right. But Hashem doesn't see with eyes. He doesn't speak no. with a mouth. No. Like, so these terms are human terms, yeah. right. and yet they're talking about Hashem. The reason for that is that our basis for being able to understand something, we always have to have a starting point of something we already mm-hmm. know and have okay, experienced. Right, right. So we know and have experienced speech and sight. We know what those are like. So then we can use that as the model. So Torah gives us a word. It says, use this thing in your life as a model. And now from that, you can then reach beyond what you already know and have a new understanding. And that. So he's explaining to us, the Ramban, how that applies in terms of God. And in particular, we see it with Bereshus, but it's, it happens to be true throughout the Torah. Okay. So what does all this tell us? That everything exists only at God's will. 
And if God's will would be uh, separate from it, so to speak, would leave it for even a moment, then they would not exist anymore. Okay, so the idea that Hashem is looking at something, that is, what that means is, it exists, because, right, I think, therefore, I am thought about. Okay, <laughs> that because God is looking and thinking about us, that is what causes everything to exist. And if God were not looking at it and thinking about it, so to speak, then it doesn't exist. Okay, so when Hashem saw the light, what that's telling us is, God saw the light, Kitov, that it was good. <clears throat> When something is good, he's like defining all the terms in the sentence that we think of as such easy words. What does it mean that something is tov? Yeah, we've talked about it before. That tov means when something is in the state that Hashem wishes to keep that that kiyum, that that looking at, Mm -hmm. forever. Mm. It has reached the the final stage of its creation. It's fully actualized in the creation that Hashem gave it, and it's just where it needs to be. And now he's going to keep it going just like that. So there are some things, he, he gives the example himself, that the heavens and the earth, it doesn't say specifically. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And it doesn't say over there, and he looked at the heavens and earth and saw they were good. It says that only later on. Why? Because he created them, but they were still forming. There was still like, and then he's right. going to separate it into a rakia and dry land and wet and right. So that's not yet the stage of tov. Tov is when it gets to the stage that you finished it, then it's there. So it was already created and it's being maintained. But then there's the, this is just how it's going to be maintained forever going forward. So then that's called tov. All right. So he saw the light and it was good. It's already perfect. As perfect as it's getting. That's the perfection. And so so he so he Except put it away. This oh, is not this is fitted. The one he put away. Yes. God okay. saw the light and he saw Kitov. It's perfect. The world isn't perfect. The people are not gonna be perfect. There's gonna be Rashaim. That doesn't go together. So therefore I'm going he Hashem says, I'm gonna put it away until the future. And in the future, the righteous will be able to have this light, right? And the world will be perfected. The people will be perfected. And that's the time for this light. They'll catch up, okay? They'll all get to their stage, and then they'll all be more matched up to each other than what they were before. Okay. 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 So this, that's just kind of like this introduction of the idea of light and dark, and that Hashem, and that's the, the darkness, the introduction, that's the So now God introduces something where you can have light and darkness and they can be mixed up and you know, each one affected by the other so they aren't so perfect. That's a different state than what was it, previously. What's good about it is if, if you already appreciate the light, there's something more to look forward to. That's right. There's something more to look okay. forward to. It's yeah. even lighter. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to, this is the, um, we got to get our sunglasses out. Isn't that great? <laughs> okay. So this is Mimer Gimel, the third Mimer in the Pachad Yitzchak on Hanukkah. Mimer Gimel. Okay. Yeah. It means, um, right. essay number three. Okay. Essay, yeah. Ma'amar is a statement. Okay. It's Amira, creation, okay. right? Okay. So I'm kind of starting partway through. Yeah, Rav Hutner, and I'm starting partway through uh, the second paragraph. So he says, we have have a Mm Mesorah that in the days of the Yavanim, you you know, we kind of think of history sometimes in separate tracks. I remember somewhere, at some point I suddenly realized that the Vilna Golan is roughly contemporary to George Washington, and that was like a shock. Why is that a shock? It shouldn't be a shock, really. Yeah, it shouldn't be a shock. It's only a shock because in my head, there were like two separate (laughs) timelines running. There's like what I learned in school in like English subjects in history class. And there's like what you learn in school in Hebrew subjects. And those two had never crossed, (laughs) at least not at that point. So I really didn't think about it too much. Yeah. So it was like a little bit of a shock. So you also have like, you know, your holiday timeline where you've got, okay, the Greeks and that's in the time of the Second Temple, right around the midpoint. Okay, and we have that issue going. But then there's also the Masora timeline 
meaning you have Moshe gets the Torah and he gives it to Yehoshua and the Zikanim and the Nevi'im and the Anshei Knesset HaGdola, right? Okay. okay. So you have the Anshei Knesset HaGdola. That's like the beginning of the Second Temple period, right? Kind of the end of Mordechai's life and, the, and, and Esther. That's and then you have a series, well, yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's try and put these pieces together. Yeah. And, then the, <laughs> and then you have a series of different leaders. And at some point you have what's called, they're called the Zugos. Zugos means pairs. So instead of one leader who's sort of like Shimon Hatzadik, he's the Kohen Gadol and he's a Navi and he's the head of state, basically. He kind of does it all. Okay? And it's not a king either. The Zugos are the heads of the Sanhedrin and the yeshiva, and they worked in pairs. So one of these pairs is called are Yossi ben Yoazer and Yossi ben Yochanan. They're both called Yossi, so it's a good name. <laughs> okay? okay, so you have Yossi ben Yoazer and Yossi ben Yochanan, and Yossi, Yossi ben, 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 ben Yoazer. Yoazer. Yeah, you can find them in the first parak of Pirkei Avos. Okay, right. And Yossi yes. ben Yochanan. And they were roughly, they were contemporary to the time of the Greeks, of the story of Hanukkah. A little, they're before the story of Hanukkah, but the, the oppressive times. Because okay? there were a lot of years, you know, before they had the Maccabees. There were quite a lot of years. Okay. He says, and they are the first ones who had a serious machlokas in Din Torah. Why did you never have a serious machlokas in Din Torah before? Because you always had to resolve something halacha lamaisa. Meaning, once a question came up, you always have to, they had to paskin. And you bring it to the Beisdin, or they pass it up to a Sanhedrin, or they pass it up to the great Sanhedrin. It's always an odd number of people. And they discuss all the merits and, you know, and then they vote. Uh-huh. And whatever the majority is, uh-huh. that's the halacha. Uh-huh. Okay. So you're not left with any machlokas. You could have a difference of opinion going in. But you always have one halacha coming out, and everyone has to follow a, that halacha. You must follow the halacha. Okay. Once it's, uh, we're presuming now, later on in the time of the Romans, you had the Romans putting their own people into the Sanhedrin. So it no longer became an issue of like, oh yeah, follow the majority. Because like, there are people there who... Are roughly right. ignorant, like. Didn't, so, didn't a couple of them become? Didn't Uncle was Uncleus there? Um, I don't know if he was in the Sanhedrin. Was he a Roman? He Onkelis? was. He, well, yeah, he was a Roman convert. Okay, right. So we convert some of them. Maybe some of them converted in that way. Yeah. Uh, not not in that way. No, no, no. He did, his no. uncle was. He was a nephew of the emperor. His oh, uncle yeah, was yeah. not happy that he had gone and joined the Jews. Oh. No, they were Jewish people that they put into the Sanhedrin, but. But they were not competent to be that, and oh, that kind of undermines, oh, okay. you know, the principle okay, right, of. Right, 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 okay. sure. But to be in the Sanhedrin, okay. the real what you had to be able to do was give I forget how many a hundred or three hundred explanations as to why something that's tummy is really tahor, like a sheretz. Now the pasuk says it's tummy, so that's so. What is this test that you're giving people? What it means is they have to be able to know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And without losing sight of that, be flexible enough to understand how someone could come to the exact opposite conclusion. Okay. That's one qualification you need. There's many others, like you have to know more languages and all of Torah, you know. But because if they're going to be a major with people, and yeah, exactly, you have to understand them, yeah. and you have to really understand what they're wow. truly trying to tell you. That's a great test. Yeah, there's all kinds of different things, but well, one hard, of them is... I don't think you could study even for that test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the days of Mordechai, you had to know 70 languages. You had to be able to speak them properly so that people could come and speak in their own native language to the Chachamim and know that they would be understood. Right. Interesting, they didn't even have English then, did they? Uh, no, no English. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so this concept that a member of Sanhedrin, in order to do that job properly, you have to know what's right and wrong. And at the same time, you have to be able to understand a completely opposing point of view, right? So that means that even if you came to a totally different point of view in the halacha, in this vote, right? Um, You would not, you would still be able to follow the halacha as it was voted, even if it came out not the opinion you had. Right, because you could. St- it doesn't. It doesn't mean your opinion 
doesn't still exist. You have an opinion. But since the Torah told you, you have to follow the majority. You are able to understand how they got to that point. And as long as they're competent, you know, then you'll go along with it. So you have a story. Actually, I brought it over here. Wow. Of, um, yeah. Really I brought it in a Ramban. It's, it's source number of, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can't. I mean, that's why a Bayesian now can't overturn an old Gezerah. Because you look and say, like, we we're just any, not, yeah, like. How many languages realist, do they even know? <laughs> do like realistic that we're not holding how they're holding. So where are we, we shouldn't, on this page? Um, yeah, so I'm just actually coming in oh. over here to source uh-huh. number okay. Vav, okay. where in the middle, it's actually the part that's not bold. <laughs> He says, the Pasuk says, we have to listen to the based in Haggadol, Ha'omid Lifnei Hashem, that stands before God. Wait one second. Where's the, oh, no, sorry. It's, it is the bold part. That you, you have to follow what the halacha is, is paskin by the Sanhedrin. And it's according to the Chachamim. It's through the interpretation of the Chachamim that Hashem has given us the Torah. This is like the story of Rabbi Yehoshua and Rabban Gamliel on the Yom Kippur as it came out according to his calculations. So the story over there is that Rabban Gamliel was the head of the Sanhedrin and they poskined that Yom Kippur was whichever day, you know, obviously the 10th of Tishrei, but it had to do with when they were calculating the new moon and when they had the witnesses. And Okay, so Rabbi Yehoshua held that Yom Kippur was coming out the next day. This is a problem, right? So Rabban Gamliel said to Rabbi Yoshua, now that we've paskined that it's on, you know, Monday, let's say, on Tuesday, you better show up at my house carrying a bag of money and a walking stick. Why? Meaning, why can't he just stay home quietly and eat if he wants to, not if he does. There's no sin to fast on the 11th of Tishrei, right? Because there's a halacha that you must follow the psak of the Sanhedrin once it has poskined. Okay. And he needs to do it publicly because everybody knew that he had held differently. And if he doesn't do it, people are going to be, well, what if it's really Yom Kippur because Rabbi Yoshua said, right? And then you're going to end up with the, with the Jewish people splitting into different versions of Torah. And different calendars and different holidays, right? You can't have that, which is why the Torah tells you that we're always going to paskin and then you're not going to have this machokas. Okay. So coming back to the Pachad Yitzchak, in the days of Yossi ben Yoazer and Yossi ben Yochanan is the first time that you had a situation where machlokas was not just simply resolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, I mean, simply, not simply, some, of these, some of these yeah. arguments went on for, for, I'm sure, months before they finally paskin because there's a lot of different sides and you have all the you know, 71 Chachamim, and you're going to hear from everybody, and, right, but ultimately, they always came to a conclusion. So, here's what he's saying. Rav Hutner is, I don't think he innovated this. Choshech in Torah typically refers to Yavan. Even in the beginning of the Torah, the land was tohu vavohu v'choshech al sahom. So one way we read that is a prophecy about the four galuyos, the four mm-hmm. stages of yeah. the world that are in galus, that are tumultuous and dark and confused, right? And choshech represents the Yavan part okay. of that. Okay. Um, similarly, in the Brisbane Habasarim, in the Covenant, so Avraham sees a vision, and it says, "Ema chashecha gedola nofelasalav," a great okay. and scary and wow. dark awe fell upon him. The chashecha, the dark part, so that refers to Yavan, the gullus of Yavan. It's consistent. And if we look at Al Hanisim, it says, "In the days of Matisyahu, the son of Yochanan, the Kohen Gadol, the Chashmonai, and his yeah. sons." When the Malchus of Yavan, the kingdom of Yavan, right. the wicked kingdom, right. came against the Jewish people, right. to cause them to forget your Torah. Shichicha, forgetting, is the same letters as chashicha, darkness. Shachach and choshech are the same letters. Forgetting and darkness are the same letters. Yeah. So he's saying that 
the darkness of Yavan is a darkness of causing us to forget Torah. So it's specifically under the cultural influence of Yavan that we have the first cases start to happen in the Sanhedrin. How do you spell Shachach? Shin Chaf Ches. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. the Chaf is a Chaf Sofit. Um, but right, Shach. but that's, it's the same matter. I know matter. it's the same matter. Yeah. Exactly. I'm to figure it out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this this is what it's that darkness, that forgettingness that brings the first machlokas into the Jewish people. Right. Okay. Now that halacha that they were debating was a halacha that, like, why didn't they know it? They weren't paskening something new. The question was about smicha. When you bring a korban, you have to lean against it. You're not allowed to lean against an animal on yantif. So the question was. If lean, it's a clean lean, it? like you you rest your hands on you and you actually it? lean oh. against it a bit so that okay. it's supporting your weight to some extent. Wow. Yeah, because it's you're, you're it's going to take like a, a role on your behalf. Your, you're your, leaning on it. Right. You're actually okay, leaning right. on it. So oh, you okay, you lean right. on it, but you actually are also spiritually right. leaning on it. Right. Okay. So the question is, can you do that on yontif for a korban? Meaning, if it's just a cow or your dog, that's a problem. It's muksa. Okay, but you know, if it walks up to you and brushes against your leg and you don't do anything, that's so not an interference. It can be a problem. It can be an oh, issue. Really? Yeah, yeah. If it comes up to you and rubs against you, that's not a sin, oh. but it's an issue to you touch. You can't even pet your dog on Shabbos. I, I don't know exactly the halachas. I don't that's think so. Something like that. Interesting, because yeah. I mean, I don't have a dog. But yeah. Having pets on I Shabbos don't. is very tricky. You yeah, have to really learn the halachos. Obviously, it's relying on you to feed yeah. it, so you got to feed it. And, right. But you can't just touch cats an animal because animals are mukta. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. So, so interesting. Yeah. So the question is, can you lean? What do you do okay. on yantif when you bring a carbon, and you're supposed to lean on it? Now, this is something that had been going on for thousands of years already. It's a long time, fifteen hundred years maybe since they got the Torah. <laughs> So there, this machlokas is born of forgetting the halacha. I mean, people couldn't look back somehow. There had been enough disruption, yeah. probably because of the Greeks, right? Yeah. There had been enough disruption yeah. that people yeah. could not look back and say, well, what did we used to do? Uh-huh. What did they uh-huh. do when our grandfathers brought karban? Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. I can't remember. Uh-huh. Right? There's nobody old we can ask. Okay, that forgetting is a new feature of the Greek domination. Okay. And this is something that continues till this day. So now you have the profligation of opinions, right, where, that come of, because I don't remember the fact of what is of Torah, therefore I have to try and reason it out Using the principles, there are 13, the hermeneutic principles of studying Talmud. Like there's principles for mm-hmm. how you learn Torah mm-hmm. and how you can pass in halacha. Mm-hmm. And using these logical principles, we will try and reason out what is the halacha. What did Hashem want us to do? Okay. By the way, if someone would come with one of these arguments that's a logical principle and someone else who's reliable comes and says, my Rebbe used to do it this way, or my father told me this is how we do it, then that would trump mm-hmm. the reasoning. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, but if you can't remember, you, then you're gonna have to use the reasoning. Mm-hmm. Okay, or you have a new case where you do, there's nothing to look back to remember. That would also, then you use the reasoning. But the reasoning has very strict. There's only yeah. certain types of reasoning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. So he says, so externally, what we see is that the oppression of Yavan caused us to forget things, and that causes instead of unification of opinions in Torah, now you have a splintering of opinions in Torah. You have more, you know, you have two or four or six or eight different opinions going on certain halachos in the Torah as a function of forgetting. And that even though we won over the Yavanim, it seems like it wasn't really enough. Yeah. Because it continues to this day. Okay. He says, but there is actually a deeper meaning to this gullus of Yavan which is that there is, and then he goes and he says, there is a principle that we've learned elsewhere. We learn it from the breaking of the luchos. The first luchos, right? The Jews were sitting with the golden calf and Moshe was bringing them the luchos, which is their covenant and contract with God on the Torah. And he 
lets them fall to the ground, the letters fly up into the air, and what you're left with is a bunch of broken sapphire, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? Which is what the luchos were made out of. So, Hash and ha- sapphire. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Hashem said to him, "Yeyasher shivarta. Yasher koach, you broke it. Good move. That's a good decision. I wouldn't have told you to do it, but you did the right thing." Very interesting. It's the very end of the Torah. It says that. Because if he had brought the Torah down to them, then they would never have been able to keep it because they would have been completely rejected with no hope of rehabilitation. Because it's like getting their ksuba. It It was like too hard. It had no. It had the Ten Commandments. It's the luchos, right? Yeah. So but why would they not be able Because to? now they have received in their hand the contract, sort of the contract of marriage from God. And at the same time, they're dancing around an ego. They're, they're doing oh. a bazaar. Yeah, so they, yeah, they're yeah. breaking it even oh, as they're okay, receiving right. it. Okay, yeah. Okay? So he broke it actually, physically, yeah. but before they got it into their hands. Okay. So there's always this like, well, they weren't married yet. I mean, right. we all know kind of there was, but there's no actual contract you could point right. to. Right, right, right. Which gives us an out to then say, okay, we're going to do tshuva. It will okay, take right. time. It yeah. will be messy. There will be anger. There will be shouting. There will be yelling. There will be death. There will be... But it will we'll pull around. How many days later did they actually receive the luchos, the second set? Maybe 80-ish. Okay. Right, because there's 40 yeah. days where he goes back up to yeah, Harsinai yeah, yeah. to ask for forgiveness. That ends at Yom Kippur, right? And he goes... a lot. Or, right? You have Tishabav and then from Tishabav. Yeah, okay. and then he goes again for 40 days and he gets the second set of luchos and those he brings down. Okay. okay. On the other hand, the Chazal tell us, so Chazal tell us, on the one hand, Hashem said, that was a good move, that's called Bitula Shal Torah Zakiuma. That sometimes it takes, it takes a weakening of Torah to strengthen it. Weird concept, hard to apply, mm-hmm. but something that can be observed in something like the broken luchos. Yeah. On the other hand, if those luchos had never been broken, Chazal say, Torah would never be forgotten. That there's something about the reality caused by luchos breaking and the 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 letters flying back into the sky that caused a reality of Torah where the words can fly out of your head that you can forget. Okay, so for example, the fact that the broken luchos were kept in the Aron next to the whole luchos, that is a model for us of the respect we have for a Talmud Chacham who has forgotten his Torah. Right? It can happen. A man gets old and they can have dementia or whatever. They can forget their Torah. We still have respect for them. For the Torah that they learned and for who they became, even though the Torah was forgotten. But the Torah being forgotten is a reality created by the breaking of the luchos. So which is it? Is the breaking of Luchos something that lets Torah get forgotten, or is the breaking of Luchos something that sustained the Torah? It seems like a contradiction. I see. Okay. So what Rav Huttner is saying is that it comes out then that breaking the Luchos creates a reality of Torah that can be forgotten, and yet the fact that Torah is forgotten could possibly cause a long-term strengthening of Torah. How does that happen? That happens when people use pilpul, when they use logic and, and effort to derive out what the halacha is because it has been forgotten and it is restored. So one case of that is when Moshe Rabbeinu died in the 30 days of mourning, 300 halachos were forgotten. It's a terrible loss and you don't have Moshe now to ask. What was that halacha again? Okay, And someone named Osniel ben Kanaz was able to restore those halachos. Okay. But he didn't restore them prophetically. Uh-huh. He didn't talk to God and God told him again yeah. what those halachos were. He, had not, he didn't even remember them. He had to work them out okay. with a lot of effort. So what you have in the world is you have the halachos have been returned, but you also have the effort of people, the striving for Torah right, right, right. that went into bringing that Torah back into the world. That is actually a strengthening of Torah. What you have then is not just where you were right. before, you have something exactly. even stronger than where you were right. before. Yeah. Which so, halachas were they um, I to? don't know. It's oh. a really good question. I have no idea. 
So he says, he goes on, he says, so really then, this helps us understand why Chazal tell us, Elu ve'elu elokim chayim. These and these are the words of the living God. That's the Chazal, where it says, even though you can have one set of Chachamim who say this thing is Tame, and another says, no, 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 it's Tahor. And they both came to it legitimately and through Torah thinking. We say both of them are the words of God. They're both right. Can I reconcile them? No, but they're both right. Right? You've heard this idea, right? Mm-hmm. This is also right. This is also right. Wait, wait, wait. It could be. Okay? He said, this is the power of the forgetting of Torah. And the model for it, you could think of as the breaking of the luchos. You don't have one whole set of luchos, but you do have a thousand little pieces. You have more pieces. So you have more shitas of the Torah, more opinions in halacha in the Torah, but that's not per se. It comes through weakening, but the end result is still something very strong. But it's a different path to that what strength do you think in Torah. Our generation is the most forgotten part of Torah. I don't know. I, I have know. an idea. Yeah. But what do you think? I think that the idea that there is Olam Haba and that there is that our, that our neshamas are, are living neshamas that they never die. I think that is a major problem for the modern world because it, you know, like the whole existential type of living people who, you know, who think this is it, this is life, this is what it is. Oh, that's Greek culture. Like it. Right. I mean, that's but the saying, same battle. But I'm right? saying, that's darkness. Jews. Right. But they don't that's know darkness. That. But the Jews, the Jews, the majority of the Jews in the world, we're such a small minority, us, who believe that, that and know that right. and, and understand that and study that and right. live that. But the other people, there's such an abyss for them. It's such right. a darkness. It, it is such a darkness because you don't even know where you're going. Meaning, if you know what your goal is, then you right. behave differently in order to achieve your goals. Yeah. And it's true in business, and it's true in is a it, project, it's and it's true in life. True if in you life. have a concept of it's where you're heading and how you want to get there, yes. you behave differently. Like but if you don't whole, have a clue, you are stumbling in the Everything. dark. You can be enjoying. Right? That's right. the Epicureans, which is the source of the word apicorus. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you'll die. That's the word apicorus. That's a Greek word. But that is Apicorus is a Greek right. word. That's right. You have all these words that come into the Jewish vocabulary from the Greek at this time. Interesting. And they that's where they're coming from. And they're... Of course you also have the word afikomen is also a Greek word, but that's a different thing. Right. Okay. Afikomen comes from what? That's a Greek word. Right. No is idea. It? Right, yeah. Well it okay. also has the epic apic. Yeah, it could be. I I I know no Greek. I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ionian columns, that's about. <laughs> okay. You know a lot, okay. you know, Not, not much in the Greek realize. department, you know. Okay. okay. So what Rav Hutner comes back to say is that when Chachamim are struggling and battling with each other over Torah, what they're doing is strengthening Torah and making it greater and building that love and partnership and, and sort of acquiring a share in that revelation of Torah back again. And this is the real victory of the Hashmonaim over the Greeks. Because we said we could look at it and say, well, it wasn't so much of a victory because we still have this darkness. But actually what happened was in the time, if we look at the battle as being one where the Greek darkness causes us to forget Torah, then the victory was learning how to draw light out again when it has been hidden in that darkness. When they, that's Vayavdel, separating, God separated between the dark and the light. When all of a sudden it looks dark and yet somehow you're able to pull out from the darkness and find the light again after it's been hidden away. That is the victory over the Greeks, and that was an absolute victory. And that is the initiation of the era when it comes to Torah. That's the initiation of the era of the Mishnah 
and the Gemara mm-hmm. and the Poskim and this huge, I mean, you, you can't call it anything but a flowering of Torah this that is, didn't this exist this before. This is, begins at the times of the Greeks. Uh-huh. Was this, or just after. Because that is the real victory over the Greeks is the victory of the struggle for Torah. Saying we're going to struggle, we're going to fight over it, we're going to argue over it. Why? Because we can't just remember it and hand it down. Till then, you handed down what you knew from before you, and you handed that down, and then the next person knew, and they pretty much, you know, and you learned it by heart, right? After that, we have a whole new thing. You have Mishnayas, and you have this Rav says this, and this Rav says that. And then we've got to understand what their sides were, and then we have the Gemara, right? Like, what were those sides, and what were they saying, and where does it go, and what about in this other case, and, you know, how about this other argument that they had over there, or this other statement in a different Mishnah? Okay, all of that begins only here. So that's a, a success. It's a different kind of success, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. This is a success. This is a greatness of Torah. This is bringing out light from the darkness itself, where the darkness is the means of having brought out that light. If not for the darkness, you would not have this type of light. And that is why Hanukkah is also the final holiday that's established for us. Because that is the last piece we need in order to get us all the way to the end, back to the Asid level when Hashem will bring out all the light again for the tzaddikim, right? That's bringing it all forward for us. That, this is what we need to get there. This is the tool we need. That was the final piece of the puzzle. It takes a long time. Historically, the last holiday is Hanukkah. Okay. After that, there's no new holidays added. Right. 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 Because that miracle of Hanukkah and that that greatness, the 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 new skill we learned at that time was the skill that is necessary to take us through till the end. What is right, Peel Pool is, is like delving deeply into oh. the logic and thought process of Torah. Is there a Peel Pool or do people do Peel Pool? I what think both. Like, I think it's used both verb? ways. It's used colloquially. Okay. Peel Pool is a noun. Okay. But people use okay. it like, oh, he'll, you know, that's quite a Peel Pool. Meaning so it's a very means... detailed, like, well, if okay. you say this and then you say that, and then you, oh, these kind okay, of like right. long chains of thoughts there. You have okay. to hold a lot in your head. Right? So then you have to Okay. You have to do that. Okay. So then I wanted to share one more idea that I feel like just kind of rounds it all out. Okay. And that one, this is this it's brought in it's two different Svasemeses. Um in Parsha's Toldos actually. So the first one and and the topic over here, what he's commenting on in Toldos is this very strange passage, which we talked about in the Parsha Shir, this passage where all of a sudden in the middle of talking about Yitzchak and he has the sons, Yaakov and Esau, and all of a sudden the Torah turns around and says, so Yitzchak went to the land of the Plishtim and they thought maybe Rivka was his sister and then they said, hey, why did you fool us? We might have taken her. You go live a little farther away. This is too disruptive. And he digs wells, and the wells, the Plishtim keeps stopping up the wells. So he digs more wells, and he gives them names. Okay? So it's kind of a strange passage. Like the Ramban even says over here, what is with, the Torah goes at length to tell us about these wells that he dug. And if you just read it on the surface level, it's difficult to understand what is the purpose of telling us all this. What do we learn about Yitzchak? It says, uh, Avimelech said to Yitzchak, you better separate yourself from us because you're, you're more powerful than we are. And Avimelech's the king, so that's kind of threatening. To have somebody who's richer, more powerful, more respected than he is, he'd rather not have him in town because it undermines his authority. Mm-hmm. So Yitzchak goes back and he builds new wells of water that had been previously dug in the days of his father, Avraham, but the Plishtim had stuffed them up, which is like, of all things, why would you do that? Right, there's a kind of a, a, a self-damaging hatred to do that. Like, just use it. Right? There's one thing when someone steals something, but something that you could benefit from is cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's the same thing today with the Palestinians. <laughs> could be, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same location, different race, know, different right? people. I know, the same, <laughs> same idea in their heads. Right, but like, there's a lot of people like that. Right. I mean, people will do I That's know, typical of Yetzirah. 
Yetzirah is a temptation to do something that's, right. that's actually self-destructive. Right. right. So like, why would you, if you would I stop and think at all, you'd say like, that's so right. stupid. Like, right. that's never going to come out good for me. I'm hurting myself more than anybody else. Right. Okay, that's classic. And then he, so he digs them up and he calls them these names and his servants dig wells in the Nahal and they found a, a well of living water. And the shepherds from Grar, the Plishti shepherds, argued with the shepherds of Yitzchak, and they said, that's our water. You may have dug those wells, but it's our water table. Like, you can't just take the water. We want the water. So he called this well Esek, ki his asku imo, because they, Esek is not with a samech. Um, it means, like, oppression. Right. It's okay. starting up a fight. Okay. He called this a place where they started fights. Because they started fights with him. Here he is. He said, they said, go away. So he went away. He makes Call a new well because you got to drink. You have to have water. He digs a well. God blesses him with this abundant well. And they say, wait, that's ours. Right? He's already gone away from them. So this wasn't where they thought was theirs. This in the yeah, because it's like one of these things where all the other stories are like so typical. And as the Ramban says, like, what do we learn from this? And, mm-hmm. and what glory does it shed upon Yitzhak and his greatness? What do we, you know, I don't know. And then he builds another well. And they also argued about that one. So he called it sitna, which is like the word satan, meaning someone who is uh, oh, the, the spark that fights oh. against you, oh. fighting against him. Vayatik misham. So he uproots his tents and he transplants himself. And he built another well. He dug another well. The Ravuala. And they didn't argue with him over that one. And he called that one, you know, like the city Rehovot. Mm-hmm. He called that one Rehovot. And he said, Now Hashem has given us space, like breathing space, um, and we will be fruitful in the land. And then he went to Beersheba. Okay. So what is this whole thing with the wells? There's a lot of different things. The Ramban correlates it to the three base amikdashes. Like everyone understands there's a whole passage here where on the surface level, it's very hard to understand why the Torah brought it. There's plenty of things that happened in the lives of the Avos. They lived mm-hmm. long lives that we know nothing about. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about the architecture of their homes beyond the fact that Avram had four doors, <laughs> <laughs> like in each direction. Mm-hmm. That's it. You don't know anything else about these tents. You don't know anything about the furniture. You don't know anything about any of the other wells that they were digging. Everywhere they moved, they must have had a well. Right? You don't know anything about mm-hmm. the food they ate. You don't know anything about most of the conversations they had. You got eight words between Avram and Yitzchak. Mm-hmm. The Torah could have told you more of their conversations. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, because it's not what we needed. Mm-hmm. But this we needed, right? So this is very strange. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Sosana says like this He says, with regard to the wells that the Plishtim stuffed up, and Yitzchak then had to open them up again anew. He says, what we, what we see referenced here is this idea of hiddenness. Something that was revealed, it was there, it was dug, and then hidden. And then the avoda is to dig it back out. Okay? Sounds a little familiar in terms of this Pachad Yitzchak about Torah learning and Yavan, and also kind of familiar in terms of the light that was created and then put away and then we'll come back out. Right? This, you see there's sort of a similar model going on over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here, Avraham had dug wells. Mm-hmm. The Plishtim came along, stuffed them up, mm-hmm. and now Yitzchak has to dig them back out again. Mm-hmm. And when he's done, he says, oh, now Hashem has given us. Right? And Hashem even comes to him afterward and says, don't worry, I will be with you. I'm the God of your father, Avraham. Okay? Your children will be many and spread mm-hmm. in the land mm-hmm. in the merit of your father. Avraham. Okay. He says, this avoda that we see revealed here is the strength to find the wellsprings of life and the strength to remove obstacles that get in the way. Mm-hmm. That's different from what Avraham's avoda was. Right? We know that Yitzchak is gevura, strength. Avraham's avoda was an avoda of chesed, of pouring out kindness. So his job wasn't to clear away obstacles in the path. His job was to be focused on the chesed. But Yitzchak is the gevura, and he has to reveal the same things that his father revealed, only with 
with obstacles, having to somehow dig through things and with challenges. It's like the Torah being described as diamonds or pearls in the sand that you have to search for. You have to find gold coins. And so Chazal say, If someone says, I have toiled, I worked hard, and I found what I was looking for, you believe him. If he says, I worked hard and I didn't find, don't believe him. Because there's a kind of avoda that comes of, of the working hard to look. So there's a pasuk, how great is the good, tovcha, remember we said tov is, that perfection, that's how something will be forever and ever. Ashert safanta, which you have hidden away, lireyecha, for those who have awe of you. Right? We say about to God, how great is the good that you have hidden away. So Avraham is described as the light after a period of 2,000 years of dark. Just like you had the land was tohu vavohu, dark and confused, and there was darkness on the face of the deep, right? So Avraham comes after 2,000 years and he injects the first light into the world by saying, or the second light, you know, he's a, the first person saying, you know, there is a God and he created the world and that might have been hidden from you, but it's there. Okay. And in Yitzchak, the revelation of light comes specifically through its having been hidden. With Avraham, it's like creation of light. It just pours out. With Yitzchak, it's like the second stage. The second stage is the stage of it's hidden, and you got to dig and dig and dig to find it. Okay. So here's another commentary on Toldos. So Asemes, he says, Ve'ela Toldos Yitzchak ben Avraham. Avraham holid es Yitzchak. These are the generations of Yitzchak, the son of Avraham. Avraham gave birth to Yitzchak. What does it mean Avraham gave birth to Yitzchak? Avraham is chesed. Yitzchak is kvura. We need to know chesed gives birth to gvura. Gvura, we think, right, din, justice, restriction, year, uh, self-discipline, control. We tend to think of those as negatives coming from the society we come from. Yeah. We think of those as somehow bad versus chesed and bracha. And it says, no, you have to know chesed and bracha give birth to gvura. Absolutely. And, yeah, because that is the ikr of the chesed, uh-huh. is that which Hashem actually saves away uh-huh. for those who have then worked wow. for it. Wow. Right? And that working, he talks about it in different ways, but like why it is that it plays out that a person has to work uh-huh. and make that effort, but it has to do with a greater chesed uh-huh. because now you deserve it. Hashem can give endlessly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh we are not equipped to receive endlessly. Mm-hmm. So it is through the discipline of ourselves that we make ourselves equipped as vessels to receive. So that is a greater chesed because we can receive more than if we didn't do it. So this is like, you know, I mean, as a teacher, you know it because you can just give the answers mm. or right. you can let them work on it. Right. And maybe they'll only get seven out of 10 right instead right. of 10 out of 10 right. right. And maybe they won't feel so excited in that first moment. But what they've learned is to become better at doing the math problem and thinking about it. And they get mm-hmm. practice until they're actually, what they've acquired is their own. Right. And now they are different. Right. So that in the end, when they get 10 out of 10, right. it, it's not the same 10 out of 10 as if you had given them the answers or a calculator, right? It's a different 10 out of 10 because right. they are different. Exactly. Okay. That's. Chesed that's born, that's Gvura born of Chesed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's when the one who's giving you the Chesed is strong enough to say, I could just give it to you, but I love you. Right. And because I love you, then even though it's easier for me to give it to you, <laughs> it's yeah. easier. Yeah. But I want to give you the chance to grow and be different at the end of it. And that, that's how I'm giving it to you, though. I want you to have it. But I want you to have it in a way where you become somebody bigger Absolutely. than what you were before. Okay, that's the concept of Yitzchak is the son of Avraham. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so with Yitzchak is specifically this quality of having to find that which was hidden, and the wells are the classic example where it was stuffed up, and he has to go find them again. And what's born of that? Yaakov. 
So he's going to take it like another step. He says, what's Yaakov? Yaakov is the stage of MS. MS means truth. In other words, that or clarification, when it's hidden, how do I know what's real and what's not real? Is this the right place to dig? Is this the wrong place to dig? Thank you. <laughs> one is sick, one's away, one in a doctor's appointment. Hi, mommy. Right? So that process of having to sift through what you've got and figure out what is the real truth. That's MS, that's Yaakov, who himself gives birth to Yosef and Yehuda and David. In other words, to 12 tzaddikim who could receive the light. This is all reliving that process of God created light and then he hid it away and then he separated between the light and dark and then you reach a state of perfection again back with the re-giving of the light. All of this is being lived through the lives of the Avos first and then through the lives of the Jewish people and history as a whole. And this is our job. He says in in an individual's life, it's the same thing. A person has to start with chesed. That is the, the feeling that God loves him and the desire for more of that love, the craving to be close to God. But then in order to get there, you have to have yira shemayim. Before you can get to the love, you actually have to first cultivate the yira, which is the awe and the holding back and the self-discipline and what's important to you is important to me. I will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And this, this being able to control oneself and change our mitos, right? And then we get to the MS of Yaakov, which is this truth. That's the light. That's the revelation. Okay. And that's the chesed that's even greater. And those are hinted to in those wells, Asek, Sitna, and Rehovos, right? Asek, which is there's the oppression and the the battle, and only then the rechovos, the wide space, the the easing up of the pressure. That was the process that Yitzhak went through, sort of, on our behalf. Yeah. And so the Torah refers to those. Okay. So I think let me just see. Oh, there's like another one on the back. So this is the concept of the preparation for afterward. And then there's just this really key line. He says, why do Chazal say if someone says they struggled and they found, believe them, but if they say they struggled and they didn't find results, don't believe them. Okay. He says, how, what if they did? Like, <laughs> right? They worked hard and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, no. Because even if it looks like they didn't find the results that they were trying for, it just means they're still in the middle of the struggle. It's part of the struggle. You can't stop here and say, okay, well, I got to this far and I didn't find, so therefore, like, my Avodah Hashem is not going anywhere. It means I'm still in process. That's part of the preparation for the afterward. Ki ein shum yegiya Hashem levatala chas There is no, this is the Svas Emes on Parshas Toldos in the year Tafresh Mem Dalad. That's how they're mostly organized. He says there is no toiling in Avodas Hashem, no effort in the service of God, Levatala, that's for nothing. It's never for naught. When you toil in Avodas Hashem, it always bears fruit. It just doesn't always bear fruit right this minute. Maybe there are three wells. You know, <laughs> Yitzchak could have said, Look, I came, there were these wells, and they're all stuffed up. I can't find them. I tried, I looked. Or, Okay, I looked, I finally found one, I dug it out, and now they took it away from me. So I tried, and you see I wasn't successful. Does it describe how he found them? No. But it just says he found them. It just says he dug them out again. He dug them out again. Yeah, right? And they took it away from me. I dug another one, they took it away from me again. Okay, that's it, I tried and I didn't find. He's saying, no, it just means you're still in process. But you should know that the first two are not wasted effort. It's not like, oh, finally you get to the third one and you dug it out and you were successful, so that's the only one that counts. The Torah tells us about all three because you couldn't get to the third one without the first two. That's what a process means. You have to go in steps. Right. So you had to take all those steps. And this is, this is the gullus of Yavan too. This is the gullus of it's dark and now you're going to have to dig and struggle and battle to work out again 
what is the Torah telling me for this case? I can't remember for this case. I don't remember that we've ever seen it before, right? But you don't agree with me. So now I have to like try and convince you of my opinion. You have to convince me of mine. I have to try and understand your opinion. You have to understand mine, right? This whole ongoing project of the effort that goes into Torah, but it, none of it's wasted. However you think it's coming out, it's never wasted. That's all the process of revealing the light, of the separating between the dark and the light, which brings us to that future state of the revelation of that light that was stashed away the whole time. So that's, uh, that's the Hanukkah share. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very so glad you're here. Thank, I Thank mean, you. I've never been the only one in the class, oh, so. Good house. So you Thank have a big merit so because <laughs> I don't, I'm happy so to teach much. a class for one person, too, but I, I usually don't that. talk if there's nobody here. Yeah, well, so. yeah. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to give okay. you these back. Okay. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Thank so, you. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah, happy Hanukkah.